compatible. And it's live! <laughs> mandem. Shake your mandem, mandems. <laughs> I tell you what got me the other week, doing the, uh, the other week, the other day on the Shaka. Yes, there's a Shaka done it. And then it just got into my head. Shaka, Shaka, Shaka card. <laughs> tell you, I've seen, um, do you know Dwight McNeil? I don't. Anyway, yeah, he's well good. Oh, right, yeah. Under 21, I've seen him doing it. Really? Yeah. On the Shaka Khan? Like recently. He's, he's in um, a FIFA tournament online at minute. I think he's in semi-finals. Playing like other premiership teams. Right, yeah, I get you. I think that um, Jota from Wolves has just won that one. Yeah. That's how, they should, McNeil. that's how they should finish the Prem. <laughs> yeah, just have them all sat down. FIFA, best FIFA bud. <laughs> <laughs> Ashley Barnes start kissing people and that. Yeah. But imagine being like proper pumpage. Like, no, you're just a squad player. But because you've been a squad player for ages, you're proper well good at playing FIFA. Yeah. Right, bring him in like the ringer. He is good. He's fast. Anyway, we've had a we've had our magical intro. <laughs> uh, you're Danny. I'm Dale. Hi, Dale. Yeah, hiya, Danny. You are right. Pleased <laughs> to meet you. Very good. Virtual uh, hug. Yeah, keep your distance. Keep washing your hands, you filthy animal. Ah. Hey, do you remember, ever remember that staff dudging dude who used to check your nails? Anyway, we're segueing. Oh, yeah. Do you remember him? Yeah, he were horrible. He were horrible. horrible. He used uh, to bolt you for shaking. Because <laughs> <laughs> it were freezing. I stood there. PT top shorts. Knees and elbows and that going blue. Shit like that. Stop fucking moving. <laughs> and then tea bag shorts as well. Oh, it's like a tea bag. Scary man. Um, yeah. So, who are you, Danny? Well, um, Danny Fort. Uh, I reside in Burnley, in Lancashire. Um, it's about 12 mile away from our rivals. Blackburn. Uh, it's, originally, it's an old mill town. It had a lot of cotton mill industry. That was the main um, livelihood, really, around here. So that's why there's loads of terraced houses, factories everywhere. But once the cotton stopped, <clears throat> um, lack of investment and all that, it just turned into what we see now, high, high unemployment, um, really drastically underfunded and forgotten about really so it's to make it here is a it's quite an achievement i'd say given the options you've got it's um it's like a real middle ground isn't it there's no big city yeah it's it's on its own away because preston's miles away manchester's it's 45 minutes but yeah it's just on its own in the middle of nowhere right next to yorkshire that's why, hence the name Dingles. <laughs> Come on. Uh, so where did you go to school and that? Your high school? What was the name of your high school? Um, I went to Mansfield High School in Nelson. It's been knocked down now. Um, and merged with another one. Uh, as a people, um, typical squaddy, really, I'd say. Although I didn't know at that time what my behaviour was like. Um I prefer to 
disrupt and um, be a clown, really. Because they didn't facilitate my kind of learning in them days. You were just naughty or thick. And what, yeah, what, majority of time outside the class. But like um, an hands-on kind of learning. Yeah, I'm a kinesthetic learner, so I'm a doer. I like doing with my hands and learning like that. So staring at a blackboard all day, writing, it could have been yeah. a foreign language for all I cared. Some language, well, I'm not, I'll say that paints a pretty bad picture, really. Uh, French, I love that. I was good at it. Um, the teacher were ace. It all depended on the teacher, I think, the way my behaviour reflected. So your, your strict ones, like English, I was good at it, didn't apply myself because the teacher got maths. Again, I've always struggled with maths and I still do. Yeah. Um, not a fan of it. But at PE, love that. Well, he's love doing, it. isn't it? Getting out running about. <laughs> Outside, running around. Like, I went cross-country team, represented school, stuff like that. So academically, no, didn't flip me switch. Did you uh, did you go to school on your own, or were you a kid? He was five years older than me. He went to Edge End, which is the rival school up road. So we used to um, partake in extracurricular activities, shall we say, and go and have a few fisticuffs. Yeah. All in good nature, of course. <laughs> Nobody died. <laughs> just what boys did well then have a, well it's there and then have a nug afterwards isn't it yeah and you're done then but because I again through this as well I, I want to learn because obviously we've known each other I think what cracking on 20 years now yeah but there's always times I don't think we've ever sat down and asked about each other's inner background no so you like chance, do you? nah you don't so just about your mum and dad, you grew up with your mum and dad, both together? Yeah. So who was um, who's house? We're all, we all lived in the same house. Mum, dad, me and my brother. Um, quite a destructive relationship they had. Um, police getting calls to fly were quite traumatic for a, as a child to see. That's right. I think what it... It made me and my brother very close. Yeah. We could hear it. Um, sometimes we witnessed it, sometimes we didn't, but it weren't all bad. We uh, we had clothes, we were fed. Um, it was just a bit too strict, I think. Old-fashioned parenting styles. Because um, my parents were 36 when they had me. My brother's five years older, so... It, by, by their standards, they were quite traditional, old-fashioned rules, I'd say. Now, that's a reflection of, like you said, the area that it was as well. Like, it's a tough, tough area. It is. It is. Um, working class, you know. It, yeah. You don't do as you're told. you got you got a crack. <laughs> um, it, it can work, but now, um, I think if you did, if you track your child like, we got treated, you get them taken off you, and you probably find yourself in a very small cell. <laughs> yeah, basket weaving. I don't, um, I don't regret it. I wish some of it didn't happen, but 
Yeah, it weren't all bad. We, we had some good times as well. Went on holidays and stuff. Yeah. So it's, so when when did you kind of know in in your school life and kicking about with your kid? What what, what we're trying to get to? Start going into your career options. Right. But, well, what, what did you think you were gonna do? Did you not know? Being I've a ba- never, I've never ever known what I wanted to do in my life, job wise. I uh, left school with nothing, um, and I just, I got. It was easy to get jobs back then, so you factory jobs. I worked down in on an industrial estate on an Opal fruit machine. Um, on a what? On a what? Remember, what well, they call uh, Opal fruits. Yeah. What's oh, right. Starburst. Starburst, yeah, for the uh, woo, Starburst. That's how <laughs> I am. Gives a follow. Um, just doing manual labour jobs, um, yeah. grafting. Then I met my nephew, Wes. He was serving in uh, Queen's Lancashire's. Right. Um, I was just kicking around, not doing much, getting into dramas, getting taken on by police. We're on first name terms. Um, and they, they gave me a sharp reality check and said, next time we do this, you're going to find yourself locked up for good. So that was a bit of a boot up the arse. Um, I, do, I went to college for a, about a year or so, just bumming around. I were in a band, uh, just blagging stuff to do, really. What was your band called? Oh. <laughs> I'll get back to you on that. All right, yeah. Tell them a good, because I can't remember the bloody name. <laughs> what, <laughs> what did you do, tambourine or what? I was a guitar dude. Yeah, really? Yeah. yeah. Fucking hell. Very, I weren't Jimi Hendrix or all, but I could, I could hold a tune together and did a few gigs. What What was the sound like? What What, what was your influence? Uh, at, the, at the time, Oasis were really big. Yeah. Um. So they heavily heavily influenced my. That's why I picked up a guitar, really, because they, they were easy to learn songs. Right. The lyrics were easy to. It just resonated. All the words, they were easy. The tunes were ace. I thought, and Liam Gallagher's one cool bastard. <laughs> I want to be like him. He's ace. He's a man. He still is. Um. So yeah, I was just bumming around, dosing, going nowhere. I seen how I was, and um, he said, just coming down to Korea's office, have a quick chat. Um, and that was the first stage, really. And then I went back for my second one. You do that, you barb test and all that. They said, yeah, yeah. You, well, plus my grades from school, you've got limited options, haven't you? They said, paras or infantry. Because Wes were in infantry, Queen's Lancashire, that was me. That was my, all I said were, can I play football? And they were like, oh, yeah, yeah. You know what they like in careers office? Well, that's that's one just for them that don't know. Uh, barb test. It's when you go into a careers office and they ask you, like, what's your name? How many, uh, how many, how many? Will that Congo? I was like, what the fuck's that? But then they start asking you, like, um, I know loads of people, hopefully they'll comment on some of the best questions, but it'd be like, how, how many fingers and toes do you have? Yeah. And you're like, whoa, I can count my own fingers and toes. They're like, yes, you'll do. 
And it's like, uh, I think that, I think everyone's favourite is John and Jill have a race. John, John wins. Who's the fastest? <laughs> and you're like, what's the again? Yeah. <laughs> so, so yeah, yeah. You, so obviously you did fantastic on that test. Yeah. Like this guy. Yeah. Well, back in, it was 97 that I signed up. November 97. The, uh, yeah, I were in two weeks later up at Glen Course. Yeah, same as it. Uh, Penny, Penny Kewick. Yeah. Oh, it was freezing. Freezing. <laughs> freezing. Well, yeah, I was well out of me. Because my mum, my parents had split up when I was 12, so my mum were always, obviously, fed up with my antics and the headaches. And she, I remember always saying, why don't you do something with yourself? Why don't you go and do something productive with your life? And I'm yeah. like, and I came on from careers office and said, I've joined Army. Burst into tears. Whoa. What have you done that for? And I, she said, what are you going to do? And I said, an infantry soldier. She went, cannon fodder? Oh, like, what's that? Wow. My dad said that to me as well. You know, I got same. Yeah. But once I grew to achieve what everything I had done, she was proud as punch then. Yeah. So when I first went in, she, were, she weren't a fan at all. There's more, a lot of parents aren't, but I was expecting a bit more of a positive reaction than that, really, if I'm honest. I'm being Not sensible. Being... Yeah, you think, we think we're being sensible. <laughs> yeah. Well, I've got a coin in my pint, in my, in my back burner. I'm, you know, I'm keeping out of trouble. I've just gone into trouble in army instead. Oh, dear. <laughs> um, love of football. I don't want to. I don't want to rush into the old uh, career bit yet because we can spend half an hour on there. There you go. Who are who are them guys? Let's have a let's they have are, a couple of minutes on them. They've they've got a long history, successful in a lot of ways. Um, they've who won, are they? Roma. They are the the top dogs in Lancashire. The only team in Lancashire in Premier League as well, and they've earned it. Who are they though? Uh, tell, tell the masses. There's people in Wales never heard of them. They were formed in 1882. Ooh. And the colours, claret and blue. You've not, you've not said the name of the team yet. <laughs> Burnley. <laughs> Burnley Football Club. Happy day. Um, Give them a plug. They're, uh, they've always punched way above the weight. Big rivalry with them down the road. I won't say the names because they, they're not worthy. Six fingers. Um. Yeah, when I were, I followed them since they were small, three, four, because I, I copied off my brother a lot. He right. introduced me to a lot of the things I like in life, football being one of them. Um, I remember going, my first game, my home, first home game, early 90s, uh, we had Blackpool at home, and it what was alongside then, it's one of the, the main stands in Burnley. On the on Turf Moor, the uh, it was just like a rickety wire mesh fence separating home and away fans. Right. Back yeah. then, there were barbed wire going over the top. I just remember looking over, thinking, "Wow!" Because all the the suicide squad they yeah. used to go right near the away end, away fans, and give each other a bit of stick. And I, I remember darts coming over, bottles, bricks. Boy, it was 
They were volatile when I was so saw it. that film Because it felt naughty. I thought, this is brilliant. I love it. Mm. I was up then. Um, went on as many games. You should be able to sneak on. Um, then I started going on away games when I was a bit older. Because my brother used to say, you're too young yet. You're not old enough. Oh, can you remember how old you were when you were your first away game? Around-ish. <sighs> 14, 15. Really? I thought, because I thought you were going to say like 18, 19, something like that. Oh, I was, said, well, that's all there is in Burnley, because it's, it's not a rugby town like Wigan or St. Helens or all like that. It's just football and that's it. I've never heard of them two towns. Never heard of them. Don't know where they are. <laughs> <laughs> but sorry, yeah, go on. There's not much. It's a football. That's all there is. That's your, your escape from reality once, once a week on a Saturday afternoon. And I've, you, you grow mates, you, it's all similar interests, you wear the same clothes, it, you found, I found an identity, I'd say. Brilliant, that's and what I was trying to draw out you then, brilliant. Football in itself is, I love watching the game and I love everything that comes with it, the social aspect and it's very, very good, I'd say. Well, that's in that t- timeline as well, in around 97. 95, 96, because we just had Euro 96, haven't we? Oh, Gaza, yeah. Yeah, and I think at the time, I, I get, don't go, don't want to trip over my words, but I didn't think we had a, such a great a time since then when music and football were as connected. Yeah, the 90s were Yeah, like you, you had your Kasabians, you had your Oasis, it your Razorites. Yeah, well, it went global as well, didn't it? Yeah. Um, there were big shift in politics. It was just a, a special time to be alive at nineties. And it's, I think that, like you said, that identity, how you dressed, how you walked, how you talked. Yeah. And and it's that team feeling, isn't it? Like you're part yeah. of something. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I'm still amazed with most of the people I met way back then. Still see each other on match days. It's a community. Yeah. You get, it's had a lot of bad press as football for all the wrong reasons, like racism and hooliganism. And there is, I think there's elements of badness in everything, but the media just highlight it and make it look worse than it is, I think. Well, ne- negative stories sell, don't they? Mm-hmm. Like I say, I think we were talking earlier, weren't we, about paramedics and that. They never get good news. No. You know, the papers are the papers are never saying, picking up the phone, going, oh, such a body had a really good time today and did really well. Yeah. No, it's always coming out of rehab or look at him having a really bad time. Let's make that person feel worse. Yeah, stick the boot in. People always like to stick boot in. Yeah, and not to take away, we don't want to be upsetting anybody. There are still the isms, like you said, within anything, within football, there's a lot of people working hard. To get rid of it, and hopefully we can through this. Yeah. Highlight. Yeah. I've never witnessed it personally. People bit like giving players abuse or fans within fans. I've never been around it, on, especially on turf. But I know there are plenty of people that do go on honest, decent, hardworking folk that won't tolerate it. They, they get told to wind the necking. Yeah. If they were doing stuff like that. It's a tough one, isn't it? Society, it's it's hard, isn't it? It's... You always get idiots. 
Yeah. Wherever you go. Even this, through this pandemic, there's still idiots going out, having parties and like nothing's happening. What can you do? You, you can't. Not not every not everybody will toe the line, so to speak, and there'll be such... It's always that kind of, I think, rebelism, isn't it? If you're yeah. told to stay at home, if, if, if you're told to stay at home, they'll go out. Mm. It's if like getting told, gated, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, but if you're told go out, right, go, everyone go out and run around and do fizz. Now nah, I'm going to stay at home, sit on my couch. Yeah. So it's... Dominoes <laughs> and watch shit flicks all day. <laughs> I've completely... Humans. <laughs> We're a crazy species, humans. We are in that. Yeah. But they don't share the uh, the crazy enough craziness half of what they should be doing. No. But right, so what we've done? We're in Burnley. Hopefully you're relaxed in now. Yeah, tuned in. Yeah, you've got your style. You got your identity. You know you, or you think you know who you are, and then all of a sudden you're in fucking freezing cold Glasgow <laughs> and going through training. Um. What were your thoughts on army training, like culture shock or what? Yeah, well, I got as much insight as I, as I could off Wes. He just said, oh, you'll be right. And I thought, well, if he's done it, I must be able to do it. Yeah. Um, I needed the discipline. So, and plus, I've always been a neat and tidy freak anyway, and they just heightened that. So it, when you used to have to brass or bottom of your mess tins and polish underneath your, the sole of your boots and stuff. Yeah. Scrub everything. Everything were immaculate. I already knew how to iron before I went in uh, through my mum. So I, and I met some absolutely amazing mates. People from all walks of life, but with similar common backgrounds, really, like broken arms. Um, and well, you'll know yourself as some absolute yeah. characters in army, and you just get each other through because it it's designed to be hard, isn't it? Training, otherwise yeah. everyone would do it because they need robust individuals on front line, which is what we were. There's no pussyfooting around when it, when the shit hits a fan. Yeah, and you know you're in a lot of danger. You, it's your muckers, and it just. It built from that, I think, that camaraderie um, and that team ethos. Well, it's, um, I think as well, that that initial, when you rock up, that you, you kind of feel, I don't know, I felt like that kind of homely, like, oh, like you said, I'm around very similar lads. Yeah. So like the football side for me, uh, I was a lot, still a lifelong United fan. And in my block, in my room, I had another four United fans who weren't all from my area, but we had something in common. Yeah. Well, I'll train up there. You can tell who's going up because they've all got massive bags. Yeah. Um, I still have my Liam Gallagher haircut. You know, it, when I had hair, yeah. we had it down here over my ears and that, like a mod. <laughs> yeah. And um, one of the first things they do in it is get rid of the lot. He went... Who yeah. the fuck have you come as? Fucking Noel Gallagher. I was like, whoa. Liam, guys right. Shouting at my face. <laughs> Caught me off guard, that. Yeah. And like you said, there were lads in my room that I'd met on the train on the way up uh, from Burnley. 
in Lancashire. So by the time he got there, he'd already been talking to people and you could ask it, you could talk in a room and ask each other, well, whatever, have you got this or can I borrow that? And it just starts to gel, I think, because you're all in the same boat, aren't you? Yeah. Well, it's, um, I think what we've said as well, you, you find solace in each other and there's that kind of myth as well. A lot of people have said this to me for ages. Oh, I could never have done what you did. Well, yeah, you could. Because you don't just rock up on day one and day two, they give you all your kit and that's it, you're done. Yeah. Like we've said there's a systematic way of how they deconstruct you as a civilian. Oh, yeah. It's very, very clever how they do it. Because I've, I've been studying psychology and everything they've done is, it's been that way for a long time and they've got it right. Because it, yeah. obviously it's effective and it works and they, they're moulding all these individuals into a unit together. So they, all, they, they break you, don't they? So you're all worthless. You're all like full metal jacket style, eh? Yeah, yeah. And then they build you back up. So by the time you've passed out, you're like, I am the shit. I am the motherfucking shit. <laughs> yeah. Aren't you? So you yeah. Yeah. confidence is up here. And you come home and people notice, like, oh, mate, there's a big change. In, I mean, some people couldn't even believe I was in the army because they knew what I was like before. They were like, how did you even get in? They were like, bad, bad test. <laughs> they gave me a tenner. I was like, wow. <laughs> Let's go to the pub. Yeah, and it is. And it's, um, I want to jump something else we've talked about before. What, that, that systematic like deconstruction and then rebuild it's like they're giving you a map a psychological map mm. of how you think and how you behave they change all your thought thought processes and your brain really yeah um we'll probably cover it in more detail later when we yeah we start to do veterans and the problems that doing that the aftercare yeah doing that needs looking at definitely because you can't, although it works and they're effective, good soldiers, that's not productive member of society. No. I mean, you have found out personally. I have anyway. Cause it, yeah, yeah. You can't think and behave like that, I would say. No, it's um, definitely, so we'll, we'll come back. I'll put a big circle on that one in my notes. But, yeah, it's that, that mapping that they do. So you've had your mapping. You've been yeah. in, you've been uh, super chipped, <laughs> like a Japanese car. <laughs> um, what we'll do, we'll do like a broad stroke and then come back and delve into them. Yeah. So how long did you serve? I did 16 years. There, yeah, bang on. Yeah. I ended up in November and I left in December, so pretty much bang on 16 years. Well, there's no JPA here, so we'll not we'll not screw you on that. <laughs> you're wrong. Yeah, well, these the candidates you remember. Well, I'd have done my full full lot, my 22, but I got um, I think 2010, 2009, 10. I got diagnosed with um, ulcerative colitis, which I'd never heard of. Um, similar to Crohn's, so it's 
I remember going to see um, the MO, the medical officer, and he said it's a, it's a chronic illness, bowel, bowel disease. And I thought chronic was something Dr. Dre were on about, you know. My last album was a chronic. <laughs> but I didn't realise the magnitude of how severe it were and how much it had, it had changed my life, really. It's a life-changing illness. Um, I'm on medication till I pop my clogs, you know, and I've got to manage it. And it's not it's not pleasant at all to how have. Old, how old when you when you found out? 2010. 30s, so, yeah, early 30s. And how long, is it, so I, I, look, I remember this, but is it something that, like, you, you didn't feel right for a while? Yeah, well, we're doing pre-deployment training for Afghan. We're over in Canada. Um, I was commanding my vehicle, and um, I kept having to get driver to stop because I needed to shit all the time, but it was just blood coming out. Yeah. Blood and mucus, and I thought, fuck, maybe I've been hitting it too much on tins, you know. Well, fuck camp, yeah. Yeah. Um, and it didn't stop. So I went to see the doctor while we are in the field, and he said, just go sick when you get back, because we were nearly done. And thought no more of it. I just thought I'd get some tablets and crack on, you know, like yeah. you always do, give you some briefing and when your leg's hanging off, you just yeah. crack on, but no, it weren't the case that, they offered me counselling and stuff and I was like, what the fuck, are you taking piss? You start getting a flap on? Or... Well, no, because it, I didn't, looking back now, I don't think I took it seriously, yeah. you always have that, that resilience and that robustness, so I'm right, me, I'll, just, I'll crack on. And my job role had to change um, from being a section commander. I got put in a, a G10 role, so I was in stores, that kind of life. So work the, the way that they saw of looking after you is, for them that don't know, you've gone from a front line in the suck, mm. waving at the enemy, to counting... I, I don't want to, like... Emasculated. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like counting blankets and. Yeah, they took me. For me, it was counting weapons, so I, I can empathise with you. To, I know the fucking journey that you took. Mm, I didn't. I did it because I had no other choice, but I weren't. I weren't happy with it, no. Because I had my section, I'd moulded them, because they are a reflection of you. I had some top lads. I were in a, a brilliant platoon. Um, yeah, it was just a very hard adjustment for me, that. Very so, hard. We'll park that and come, definitely come back to it. Yeah. Because we, we jumped straight in, but we'll go... You, you've left Glencourse. You did 16 years service all in all. So how old were you when you, you walked into uh, 1st Battalion, Queen's Lancashire Reg? I was 18. 18. Really 19. Um, yeah, well, they were based over in... So I did Glencourse, Catrick. You got 10 days off. And then they sent your boxes up, the MFO boxes. Got us a parade date. So we flew from Blackpool over to Belfast. 
Um, straight Lissonelli Barracks, it were called. Welcome to Battalion 6 and 10 straight away. Thrashed on square. Come back tomorrow. It's typical. Yeah. New lad. Yeah. Christening. Um, and then two weeks. I've been there two weeks. You still have to wait for you to do your NERC course then. Otherwise, you won't allow out on ground. So, kicking the reels, waiting for that. Just helping CQ, doing bitch jobs. And um, I've been into town because nine of us came to battalion at the same time. Passed out. So I went down to Homer Town Centre to get your post, you know, like your titty posters and... Yeah, yeah. You... To make your room your own. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, we're walking back and we had, boom, that that's when all my bomb went off. Right, so what, you'd only been there two weeks? Two weeks, yeah. Right. That was a big wake-up. Because um, there's training and then there's reality. Yeah. And because we couldn't go out on the ground... Um, they made a, we had like a, they called it the bubble gym, which was a makeshift morgue. So the, the lads who got crashed out on QRF, they'd obviously called in the area off. <clears throat> and um, they were going through the process of the body bags and picking bits up. Um, of who, what belonged to what body, like arms and there were kids, bodies, arms, like were awful. Well, for them, for them that are not, Clued up on it as well. The Omer bomb. It was um, a car bomb, wasn't it? That was parked yeah. up. I don't want to go into the poli- Yeah, I don't want to go into the politics, but just the facts of what it was was a car bomb that was in a, a civilian area that went off. The main high street in Omer. Um. So the lads, all nine of us, got took down to the bubble gym, which was a morgue, and then we were having to lay the open the bags and lay them out. Um, they had names on the bags, and um, we just remember looking at each other. Um, Stu Maddox, he was one of them. We were all like, a bit wide-eyed, and wow. And then the family started coming to identify them. Yeah. We had to escort them, show them, and then take them away. And it were a lot to cope with we for an 18-year-old lad. That exactly two two weeks in. So yeah. it's this thing, like you've said, isn't it? Oh, and we all have that feeling when you've passed your training. I'm trained now. Yeah, I'm a trained... Well, you are a trained killer. Yeah, I think I'm ready for anything. Mm. And, and then something that I'd like to say you've not been trained for. Yeah, it's not... You realise it's not a game. No. It's just real life. People die. Yeah, and then this is it now. So, um, how long in total did you serve... That tour of Omer, because it was a residential posting for the battalion, wasn't it? Yeah. They were based there. Two and a half years <clears throat> we were there, and then we came back, back to Catrick, Alma Barracks. Yeah. That's where you tipped up, I think. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and um, we went back again to Four Kill, well, South Armour. Yeah, I was too young for that. I was in kids' club. About six months there. Um, I spent a lot of my Quite a bit, a few years of my career in Catrick. What a dump. It's, I think it's a lot better now, but boy, it was bad. We were just jesters and yeah. all that caper. It's, it's like one of those, uh, I think it's typical all over the world. It's a military outpost that doesn't have anything else to do apart from drink and fight each other. 
Yeah, back area of Doom. Yeah, run around Doom. Do you remember so them three? Were well, they call them three sisters? On back area. Well, I know what you mean. Yeah. You should see P Company using them. And I was saying, <laughs> yeah, trying PTIs to. PTIs were like, right? And Ziggy and oh, PTIs was thrashed. Thrashed the living daylights out here. But I want to. Um... We've been to Northern Ireland, we've seen what we've seen. Yeah. Done what we've done, and it's kind of like that, that first experience of shit. This ain't yeah. very good. This is, you know what I mean? And it's, it's, um, do you know, and I'll come back and mention some of this. What they say about concussions are like a scar on the brain. Mm. This is like your first scar, isn't it? Oh, yeah. Straight away. At the time, you don't know. No, not at all. You you just crack like you said that resilience. You're just cracking on through. Yeah, so we've left. There. Yeah, we've left Northern Ireland. We're going to spend a period of years in Catrick now. Um, yeah, you didn't know, did you? <laughs> I know you. I know you do this. <laughs> oh, I had um, a long-paid holiday, Del. Yeah. Well, I, uh, what a sabbatical. Yeah. So I, um, under the duress of my ex-wife, yeah. um, we just had Jamie, my eldest son. He was born in 99. Um, so she got preggers. She came over to Oma and she got preggers then. And he were, he were born in Burnley General. So when we got married, the main reason for it was to get a pad. Yeah. Didn't want to live in the block and not see me, my wife and my kids, you know. Yeah, so you get your own house to live in. As a, a dad does and an husband. Um, and then she weren't happy. They were causing friction, really, within the marriage. They were affecting my work. Um, I had the opportunity to say no, and I didn't... I, I put them first. Um, that's just that's just me, you know. I, I put yeah. other people first. Um, so I ended up getting a ten grand bank loan in my name. Um, sent all this kit on a container and did a bunk to Tenerife for fourteen go. months. Larry, <laughs> <laughs> who can? Shaka can. <laughs> oh, good. It was, so I had a good time. And it's, um, you know, people say, oh, how can you do that? And it's the most difficult thing, a bit like checking your shoulder. Oh, yeah. They're going to come, they're going to come. So you've... Uh, you're on the run, aren't you? Yeah, and that's it. And look, I, you did what you did. You came back, you held your hands up. Jail. Yeah, jail time. <laughs> Uh, which is actually it's a, a rehabilitation centre. So you got re rehabilitated, and it's almost like, this is why I wanted to bring it up, Danny, because it's almost like, like you said before, oh, I've been given some discipline, mm. and then you lose it. Yeah, I needed it. So that, then it's like, right, what we're going to do with you, we're going to give it you back. Mm. And there's all that this, because uh, people like to give it the nickname, don't they? The Glass House. Yeah. And it's really a rehabilitation centre. Yeah, it is. It, it's like going, and everyone says it's like going back to phase one training. It's exactly that, exactly that. 
See you go Yeah. And um see you go back. If it were a posting, I'd have stayed there. <laughs> I would. I got fit, give up smoking, relearn up my trade basically to a a higher level than, than what it was. So when I come out I went straight on my NCO card. I think I got given nine months uh, detention. Yeah. Did six. And come out and did, did my NCO card. Come in top three. I think me, Cunney and Shea Pelsey were. We were in top three. Um, but they, I didn't get promoted straight away. Jack. We had to do them interviews. I thought, I thought they'd the carder was the interview. Oh, that's... Yeah, I, I well, busted like, my nuts, you know. But, yeah, then you get lizards getting promoted before you, but I won't go down that road. Political. Yeah. Mm. I, I, well, I was on the same one. Well, I did... No, actually, I was on the same one as you. That's the one I came off, and then I did the one after that. Yeah, I did three. Well, first one, I got... Um, do you remember Paddy Rowe? He went diffy as well at the same time as me. Nah, no then. Like I've been to his house the night before, I think, and I, I got um, some kind of bug. And I was spewing up all day in training wing. And obviously there's a lot of PT involved on your card. You, you yeah. Gun runs of doom and all that. Um, I was that dehydrated at Med Centre and I got canned. Paul Ewing said, you've missed too much. Off your pot. Yeah, do one. Oh, right, all right. Took that on the chin. Next time. Then next one. Jay Green, all he were on it. Nasty man. <laughs> yeah. Well, they don't. They don't pick the nicest people, do they, for them courses? Like so. No. But it's another. This is what I'm saying as well, Danny. This is another remapping. Yeah. Did we? My moral compass got fixed. Yeah. So you're at Catrick, uh, the lovely North Yorkshire. You've been remapped again, twice. <laughs> you're up again. So we've now got uh, Danny, the junior leader, mm. or trained junior leader, sorry. Then Tony Blur decides to spoil everyone's fun and feelings from the 90s and football and music and vibes and uh, sent us all to the desert. Should be in jail, that guy. He should be in fucking jail. There's a few of them, isn't there? Wanker. I think, um, we'll talk about my thoughts and feelings on that one, but unprepared, unequipped. Yeah. Yeah. Going to a desert in green kit. (laughs) (laughs) Do you remember his boots melted? Were you Mickey I think so, yeah. They're the same. His boots come off on, on runway. It's melt disintegrated. But there's, a lot of little, there's loads of little words we could put in. But, um, yeah, so off we pop. First experience of the desert. Fucking hell, it was hot, wasn't it? Yeah. Remember when we were at um, that petrol station? Because they were, they were rioting, weren't they? Because they thought we stopped all petrol, so yeah. we had to guard. Because it only allows a certain amount of litres or whatever to... So the queue were massive, and I remember being stood there with Jay Mids and um, Tigger, Das Taylor. Yeah. 
And he ended up being on front page at Sunday, didn't he? With Doomy Water. <laughs> 44 degrees that day. Yeah, he was on Sky News as well, I think, Jay. You've got um, you've got lads from Lancashire. Where he gets to like 20, if you're lucky, in peak of summer, to 44 degrees. <laughs> Sunday, with pasty white fucking green kit, which were attracting some. Oh, Oh, it was fucking ruthless, that place. It was, um, I think Joe, well, I chat with Jordan Lee's not so long ago, and he said it, it, it were just, it, we were making up, we were writing the rule book as we were going along. Yeah, but no, no infrastructure. No, there, there were no one, yeah, there was no one's immediate fault in our, in our unit or anything like that. It's just like you said, it's like this pandemic now. No one knows. No. We just did the best with what we what we had, which is what we do. That's your job. This is your cards. Deal with it. <laughs> yeah. Are you going to say no? Yeah. <laughs> you can't do that. I don't like it. You've got to, you've got to make it work. See, all in all, how many tours of, of Iraq? How many times you go back to Iraq? I did Iraq twice. So tell it two. We took over from Jocks, Islanders. And then Telic 11, well, the, the kit were a lot better that time. They had armoured yeah. vehicles and we weren't riding around in soft skin Land Rovers with no roof on. No. Um, so you had your, your bulldogs and all that. Um, Karma tour, we got IDF'd a lot still. So alarm were going off daily. Um, so again, you, just, just for them that don't know what. What do you mean, IDF? They set way out in the desert. They, they make um, homemade, basically, artillery rounds, put them in a drain pipe, yeah. fire them over, wall into camp in the hope of um, killing and maiming people. And it, it did it did its job, and a lot of times, a few people got hit when we were there. Um, yeah, but they, I'll never forget that noise that, when siren goes off, because you you do your IA drill, so you you're on face down on floor where you're with your hands underneath you. Well, there were a bit like this corona. There were people not listening, yeah, having showers and shit, <laughs> like just cracking on, and one of them got it. Someone was shagging months. <laughs> oh fuck! It was four degrees. Fucking revs and an air content. Oh, but they had um, and again, look, this thing you've been to Northern Ireland, the Oma bombs happen there, and then this experience out in the desert, it's like elongated paranoia that you're living in. Yeah, well, Daz Jones, Dad Jones, yeah, he got killed, didn't he? Yeah, that was my, that was the second uh, experience of. Death really, because I saw him that morning. He went out with Doc Dolan, because he said it. They used to do runs down to Shiba, didn't they, to get all pop and all that. Yeah. They, they were going down on a run for some other then. For some reason, I couldn't go, so I said no. And then we heard it. Obviously, everyone heard the news, which is it pissed off and hurt a lot of us. We took it personally because he was one of our, and he was a really good officer. 
Well, that's, and, and I know it's a cliche, Danny, like, uh, people always say good things about those that have passed, but he, he was, for me, a very, yeah, he, he was one of them that'd give you time of day. If you need, he'd teach you something. Yeah. He, he'd well, often yeah. find himself in the Sangers, which, for those that don't know, he's like a, a lookout post. Yeah. And, and he'd teach, cause obviously he's, well, he's his trade at the, the time, he's running the snipers, wasn't he? Mm-hmm. Plus others, bits and bobs. Well, he'd come off the... He was there tell it one, weren't he? Yeah. So the actual war, the invasion. So we had loads of um, int, valuable info that we, we used. And he, yeah, he, a very intelligent guy. He was my first experience of loss. Mm. Yeah, like I said, because he was our company. Yeah, he was and, one of us. Yeah, and where we lived at the time... Like, I think it was a converted primary school, wasn't it? That would just expand yeah. a little bit. Yeah. Nothing, nothing. Well, it weren't the palace, were it? <laughs> not a gate. No, nothing. What's this? This is, uh, this is your base, yeah. So, yes. Yeah, so you... Cops outside. Because you couldn't sleep inside, could you? It was too hot. No. Because the bricks absorbed all the heat. And then if you, you managed to get some lids at any point, he was covered in flies. <laughs> but yeah, oh, it would torture that. Oh. It's, uh, yeah, experiences. So, yeah, and everything, like, thankfully, what they learnt about that, into the later tours, air conditioning, you know what I mean? Beds. Yeah. Wow, yes. Thank you very pleased. Oh, what a godsend that thing is. You just sweated, didn't you? 24-7. Just, uh, I were, this is how naive I were when we, when we landed. I turned around and I said, have you felt the heat off them engines? Do you know the plane? Yeah, they weren't, they weren't Somebody else just went, no, that's just outside that. I was like, oh, from Lee. <laughs> yeah. Fucking sand and bulbs and that. <laughs> that dust. And it was that, um, that smell of burning floor. Yeah. Not like something that's been bombed or set on fire. Just scorched by the sun. Mm. That, that's one that sticks with me, as well as poo rally. Burning rubbish as well, they used to do, didn't they? It's everything. It's like, oh, no, there was no infrastructure, was there? There's nothing. No no water supply, no sewers, no nothing. Oh, it's just pop and drop, didn't they? Yeah. So it's work. <laughs> <laughs> well, where am I? Fucking Blackburn. And it, yeah. That, that, that's where a lot of... And I, I want to be careful what I say about Iraq. We were we lads... Yeah, we did our best. We were lads from, you know, a lot of people, like you said, are the same, from housing estates and broken homes and everything like that. Yeah. In a completely foreign environment. Making it up as you go along. Mm-hmm. Just giving orders. Right, lads, this is what's happening. You're on patrol or we're on, we're on guards. and You just did it. Yeah. Counting the days down. and I'm, I'm adamant to this day, because the battalion was from Lancashire and it took that Lancashire mentality of being humble mm. and being welcoming to a lot of people. That saw a lot of people through, and I, and I think 
the city as well responded to us because there's been a lot of negative press about us and who we were and, and I'm not going to go into it, but there was a lot of negative press that was highlighted and there's also been a nothing about the positiveness. Nothing. About a, a small, what was it, a couple of hundred really? A few hundred of us? We're talking 800 troops, are we? Something like that. Yeah. With our cap badge. Yeah. In a city. And for what did happen and the trials and tribulations that everybody went through, there was a lot more positive. Oh, yeah. About, about the people of that city responded to us, which never really, I think, ever filtered home. All them lives. Do you remember when these, these used to bring kids to the front gate, didn't they? Yeah. Like, help me, help me. You're just having to patch kids up. And just little things like that. A lot of good... Um, I don't know, just being a decent human being. Yeah. And caring for people. We could have said no. And, but that's, it's not what we're about, that. No, this is, like I said, the best that we could. Given the cards we were dealt with. So, we return home. There's no drums, there's no flags, there's no banners, there's no uh, big welcome, well done guys. <laughs> so we again, we crack on and we've, uh, like again, it's, it's that, that mapping in it, it's that scar on the brain. You're thinking a lot different now, witnessed and noticed. I was 19, I think. How old were you when we came home? What year were it? 2001, not 23. Three, yeah. I'd be 24 now then. I got promoted over there. Yeah, I remember that. So you're, you're 24 now. Um, we just had Toby. Well, I, I flew home on R&R in 10 days. <clears throat> so you, um, you, Toby's your second son. Yeah, my youngest. 17 yeah. now, nearly. Wow. Oh, dear. He'd be slapping you around soon. Well, he's going to he's gonna edit all these... <clears throat> YouTube vids for us, isn't it? You're very, very intelligent. I don't know where all that's come from. <laughs> I don't know. They're awesome. Yeah, so we come back. <clears throat> he were days, weeks old. Yeah. Good time, that. I remember the relief coming home and just wanting to... Just remembering how, how good it were, that feeling to be back on... And see loads of green scenery and yeah, cool breeze. You know, like everything were clean. The road, there were nothing on fire. There were, you know, it was just normal. Yeah, and it's that. That's one of the things I struggled with because a lot of people, I think, they want to ask you, "Oh, what did you struggle with? What did you struggle with?" It's the change of environments. I remember, just that's just triggered a right big prominent memory for weeks. Weeks and weeks afterwards, I'd be out and about, cutting around, and then just suddenly stop in my tracks and have a panic about where my weapon were. Wow, yeah. I used to stop me, oh, shit, where's my weapon? And, and then you think, oh, yeah. And that happened a lot, that, because it's party, isn't it, your weapon? Yeah, and it's, um, this is where we start going into it now. Uh, oh, lads, why they struggle when they come home because your routine 
is that enforced for a reason. Uh, your state of paranoia and everything like that is to keep you alive. Yeah. And then all you do is jump on a plane and you're on a different environment. And and this is where now you haven't gone through any remapping. Yeah. Well, there were no decompression either. No. There's uh, there's nothing like that. Yeah. And and again, so for those lads who would finish the term of service over that. Mm. there's no um, well this is how you go to the shop as simple as that this is how you walk around a supermarket you know don't and don't have those flash panics of shit where's my weapon yeah or going for your top left for something it's not there I've got a t-shirt on it's not a normal behaviour towards no. it but the wider society to think what's he doing and I think I, well I'm hoping the thousands in attendance <laughs> that will be watching this, just that little bit that you've said there, that where's my weapon? That's the first bit of being able to relate mm. to all this, you know, then behaviours. So it's not so much, oh, I've done, you know, because I don't want to put people down, but maybe some people haven't seen as much on a tour and stuff like that, but yeah. they've still lived through that routine. And having your kit packed. Yeah. Still have um, in my loft to this day. I've got a burger with rations and warm kit, wet kit in it. Have you got any sausage and beans? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's Quinn giving me a big box of rations. Well, I ledge. I thought when this pandemic kicked off, well, I'll be right. <laughs> <laughs> Cooking with tea and kettle. Like old times. Couldn't be asked going to cookhouse. Oh, Lancashire hot pot, was it? No. For a group of guys that, and again, yourself, look, you've been through the Northern Ireland, you've been through the Catrick, uh, we've been over to the Middle East in the desert, having it there. What's the best thing to do for these guys? Send them to Cyprus for two years. <laughs> carnage. <laughs> that was absolute carnage, that place. <laughs> Changed so, lives. Yeah. Do you remember, uh, for, you know, again, the people that are watching? Whereabouts we were based and what yeah. you, our job was there to do. The Keely, weren't we? Well, yeah. It's broken into two parts in it, Cyprus. So you've got a east and west sovereign based areas. And um, we were east, so right near Ayanapa. 20 minutes, if that. Um, mega. It was mega. It, given the facilities there, well, I was still married at that point. Um, which will become more apparent later. So, any time after you had, so we early starts, weren't they, back then? So yeah. You, you, you go on the camp until like four o'clock, coming at five, PT at six, and the likes of uh, Piss Camp Parry with Camel Toe full of brandy, Keo brandy. Swigging <laughs> it on, we're like, fucking hell, it stinks. Tins. Yeah, so uh, one thing I, I, you know, I'll, I'll touch on it when you talk to me. I massively, massively struggled, and I've only ever said this in small circles, that Cyprus was too close infrastructure-wise and temperature and everything yeah. to Iraq. 
Yeah. You know, we'd have that small posting back home in the UK. And like, all you, all you've done in Iraq is go, what are you going to do when you get home? Yeah. What are you going to do when you get home? I'm going to do this. What are you going to do? Well, who are you going to see? What, what food are you going to have? And you know, people in this pandemic now are doing the same. What are you going to order from Mackey's? Well, what are you going to do? Yeah. So I'd got myself into that routine of, oh, this is what I'm going to do and live my life in the UK. And then Cyprus, it twisted me melon, man. Yeah. Uh, it's like, it I called, yeah, I called it Iraq with electricity and running water. Yeah. It were. Lovely, lovely, lovely. Look, the people that were there at the time, lovely holiday destination. Ah, what's in Yeah, but psychologically for me, it, uh, it was the beginning of the end. <laughs> it was. Squaddies do things in excess, don't they? So yeah. any, any task you get given, you complete it as quick as you can to the best of your ability. And they take that ethos into when they're not at work. So <clears throat> I've got X amount of time to get as many tins down there and just do what I want to excess until I can't do it anymore. And, we have, and then you're back to work. And it just carries on, doesn't it? They were excessive. The fridge of doom. There were more peds coming off top balcony. Please, got please for everybody, please, please for everybody, just tell them what the fridge of doom was. <laughs> Joe Mello, weren't it? And we, there were one room. I'm sure it was Odgy's room as well. God bless his soul. God bless him. Yeah. There were, were four, four man room with some proper ledges in it. And everyone used to just going there and party by Jimmy Burke, Joe Miller, uh, Walsh, Avers, Louis Whitby. Um, and it, someone wrote on it, didn't they? Yeah. Bridge of Doom. And then it just got graffitied and it was just full of keg, weren't it? <laughs> yeah. Full of keg. Uh, I walked into a Fridge of Doom session when I was on uh, COS. I did many other ones after that. <laughs> <laughs> well, you see, as soon as you walked in, you had a, a can put in your hand. Yeah. And oh, every, everyone used to open and shut the fridge. Fridge of doom. Fridge of doom. Ginger Witter. Here, another one. Here you are, Tin. Even yeah. if you didn't, it weren't even crossing your mind. As soon as you walked in that room, Tin. And then it just went downhill. And one of the, um, I think, loads of people relating because that's when we got gated when uh, a certain guy who's on ITV on Good Morning in Britain I'm not going to say his name I'm not going to yeah I'm not going to say his name um, share a cell with Tony Blair though God yeah printed some fake images in his newspaper which then you know later got proved to be fake and we had an apology but the whole unit got gated he put and people's this, lives in danger that guy well yeah obviously incited violence over in the Middle East Mm-hmm. which we had some of our cat badge were over there. Yeah. So, you know, go and please people, go and Google that story. It's on there to see. Mm-hmm. Uh, but our experience of you're gated, you're in, everybody is on lockdown, is exactly how the British people are responding now. <laughs> yeah. Who got put in... I remember we got smashed one time. And um, it might have been Bray. All night where he got, they wrapped him up 
and chucked him in Naffe. I think Tigger, he did it. Oh, the memory's gone. Yeah, we just it just created scenarios where, um, like say RSM were walking past our block. He said it in front of battalion, didn't he? I could hear fucking Wigan Peer in one end and Maxime's in the other. Just <laughs> like ding, I'm fucking buzzing. Just having a good time. Looking at the beach, yeah. Uh, and then there was the odd mattress that went over the, the barbed wire and... Oh, yeah. Yeah, people helping each other get in and out, but, you know, that's... Joe Mellor got lids on that barbed wire, didn't he? <laughs> he had flies on him then. All his lips were, like, dry and cracked. Like, you know what you're doing? How can you gunk there? <laughs> so it was crazy. It was almost like two years of unwinding. All In between good. us. Yeah. All good. And we, we leave Cyprus now. We go to Germania. Oh, it just then the, it just got up, didn't it? Germany, yeah. So yeah, we two thousand six, five. Five, oh, four, yeah, 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 like five, yeah. We're still Queen's Lancashire at that point, weren't we? Yes, yeah. Got there, settled in. That's when I became, I come back in block then after everything came out in the washes to what she were up to and illegitimate children and whatnot. But I won't say any more on that. And um, so I come back in block, loved it. Well, I just love being back. We're my best mates and having a fucking good time. So we, um, the That's garden just got so, created, yeah. didn't it? Yeah, so how old were you when you came back in the block? 2006? Yeah, like 2005 it were. So I'll be maths. I told you I was shit at maths. Three. 26. So you're 26 year old. Go back over. What's happened at 18 in Northern Ireland? Been through the conflicts uh, in in Iraq. Had marital issues throughout a turbulent time in Cyprus. And now you're 26. You you know you're looking at getting divorced. Mm. It's not the natural path, is it? No. Of of someone. Of an equivalent age, you might have gone to uni and stuff like that. No. They're not even looking. And you've, obviously, you've got two young boys now as well. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it had, like I said, about when bad things happen, you've got a lot of resilience and you just get on with it because you've no choice. And that that reflected in the breakup of the marriage and what I learned about what had been going on behind my back. Internally, it damaged me a lot, and psychologically, it really damaged me that, and to the point where my drinking became excessive. But because it fit in with the culture, yeah, you're regarded as a ledge. Not that my well, my platoon sergeant at the time, I'm not going to name names, was weak and failed to spot. Um, significant changes in behaviour and attitude to my work because obviously it had an impact on my job and my work. Um, I would just start going on the piss all the time which is 
a knee-jerk reaction, which I think a lot of people do when they face bad bad news. Were you at the time? Were you offered any kind of support? Nothing. No. I just, just got labelled as a, a lunatic, pisshead. Yeah, because it's um, I lived in the room across from you. Yeah, it, I needed it, help. Yes, yeah, you did. You did. You could tell you were hurting. The duty of care was non-existent. No, and all all the other lads could do and around you is give you a can. Mm. And it's almost it, it's that Gascoinism, isn't it? Yeah. You know, this this guy's hurting. He's and we don't see it from the inside. Oh, you've gone through all these fucking traumatic stages. Maybe you need a fucking break. Mm. Do you get what I mean? I'm sitting down with someone who knew the crack and say, "How can we? How can we sort this out? How can we help you?" And I just got jacked. They kept. I'd done juniors in Cyprus. Junior Brecon. Which is um, another promotion course. Yeah, another leadership course. Promised on, at the end of pre-course when he got selected to go down, we got promised off to see or as long as you pass, as soon as you come back, you get promoted there and then. Never happened. Um, then all that shit kicked off with my marriage. Car- carried over to Germany. Um, and I went put on any promotion boards for four years. Did so you feel I, I qualified? I was dual qualified because I'd done my DMIs. So yeah. I was training the battalion and some brigade assets as well in driving and commanding vehicles that we used in operationally. So I dual qualified and I still didn't get promoted because, like I said, it affected my work and the drinking they don't mix. So that were pissing me off as well. That I were getting jacked at work. I wasn't yeah. getting supported and I weren't getting promoted. Now, had I got promoted and sent away to depot, which is what the norm was, I'd have been all right because I'd have been away. I've chance to reflect and recuperate myself and have a focus. And it's out of that culture because your culture would have changed. Mm. And I, I, I spoke to Baz last night, actually. He said, when that happened to him and you're taken out of that, I have a can. You'll be all right. You're a legend. Let's let's go yeah. run around streets and be mental. You know, you said mentioned depot for other people. It's a training establishment. And you're there to teach, become a yeah. teacher, become an instructor and show, you know, the new lads up and coming uh, you've got to do so your whole like you've said your whole identity mm. have to change which you weren't given that opportunity to do at that time no so you, you, and, and again like you said you, you no real support and I think this is and again where people will start relating the only medicine is a can of something or a bottle of something it's getting absolutely smashed beyond all recognition what yeah my mates did play a big role in supporting me like you and Louis and Walsher um Stop Short, all them regulars in Corona. And then, well, Goldies, Al Porters, Joe Folder. Yeah, they, they did help a lot because they used to listen to me whinging and put up with it. 
because they're my mates. And if it, if I hadn't had that, I think it w- I would have been a lot worse. A lot worse. And it's this thing that, you know, the only reason we'll do it, talking. Mm. Unloading onto people. So it's almost like, it, you know, there was no official support structure and that's where the unofficial one took over. Mm. And if nothing else, I don't want to skip too far ahead, but this is what this is. This is an, an unofficial support structure. Listening to problems. Yeah, and going, right, how do we get from A to B now? Fuck A to Z. Mm. How, how are we going to the next one? Yeah. So, and I will, I'll, I'll skip Corona Gardens. People are dying. Not even a garden. <laughs> Not even a garden. Um, oh, yeah, it was, I don't know what it was. It was an most, area. Yeah, the most inclusive, multicultural, uh, organised. Oh, yeah. There were yeah. rules. Almost rules. almost like a small festival every weekend. Yeah. Well, I used my furniture from my pad, didn't I? That garden, it didn't last long, like. Plastic garden chairs and all that. And uh, also, for those that don't know, it's a gathering of many peoples on a bit of... Car park here outside. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that I think helped a lot of people. Mm. Now, it got tried to get shut down. Many it, times. Many times, because it was just a, a, from the outside looking, you know, a rabble of lads who, who were just getting on it and listening to like, you know, say dance music or whatever. Arctic Monkeys at the time was the album uh, choice. Hammered. Yeah. And I could tell, like, I was in a similar situation to yourself, just moving into the block. It was a place of you can sit here and just unload mm-hmm. anything, just your problems, and somebody will always be there to listen and, and relate. It's almost like group therapy in a way. Yeah. And it was exactly a, yeah, a very clever thing that Pete McKenna came up with, was saying, right, there's going to be rules, there's going to be structure, and anyone who's a junior leader or whatever like that, we're going to sign a document. Mm. Uh, and we're going to say that this is actually a bit of decompression for the lads, an unofficial, an unofficial support structure. Yeah. And it'll be clean and tidy by first thing Monday morning. Yeah. And I think, a lot of, yeah, I think a lot of people got saved in that environment. Yeah. You know, uh, not somebody who could personally... <laughs> got back didn't it because yeah i remember paul uray were sort major at the time he went well the majority of the lads that attend that have made this company champion company and that's yeah. that was his ultimate goal when he took over sort major he went i will be champion company and we got it for him yeah so he rewarded us by saying listen they're in camp so they're not outside their walls, terrorising civilians, causing troubles and headaches, police involvement and all that. They're in here, they're happy. There's little to no evidence on a Monday morning of anything that's gone on. And there were some fucking goings-ons in there. Yeah. I don't, people, I don't know if some ones are still alive. Or in special forces. <laughs> it was mental. Created. Um... But it's evidence to the contrary that it works. It like you did. said, 
we got champion. We were the best in battalion. And also, we just got amalgamated, which put yeah. a lot of pressure on people's identities because they were they're they're anticipating a lot of friction, weren't they? Saying like, well, yeah. QLR are going to stick to their own, Kings will, uh, rally backs will, and the opposite happened. We were all sat in the same place, sipping beers together, spinning dits, having a laugh. Yeah, becoming, becoming one. Yeah, and then that led to a, a successful tour on the back of that. So back again. Um, from that point then, so yeah, that's... 2006, seven, I think, the unit then came back to the UK. Yeah. Well, I got bust, didn't I? You did indeed. So, again, another traumatic event. You, you've spent all this time mapping, becoming a leader, doing everything. Training people. For it all to be taken away. Being treated like a full screw and expected to behave and doing a full screw's job for way over two years. I'd say three years, because even though you qualified as a Lancashire, waiting to promote to full screw, you're given a full screw's job, full corporal's job, um, obviously on less money, but any failure in them tasks, you're a bag of shit, rather than... It's hard, isn't it? ...and you're learning and guiding you, but you shit you. So... We've got a new OC and a CO. Um, I've been promised promotion two or three times. Didn't happen. So I'm, I'm obviously pissed off. Being treated like expected to be a full screw and not given it. Um, I'd earned it more than once. And because I rocked the boat... Um, and because of my reputation from gardens, I was made an example of. Yeah, you, most definitely you were, yeah. So they, they, they took my stripe off me, kicked me out into Anzio. But unlawfully at the time, it was a, one of the best moves they could have done because I was under the, the commander, Steve Tick. He was he just took over Sark Major from John Marlow. So he's... That company was in a pretty dire um, place when he took over, morale-wise. And similar to Paul Year 8, he got, him, he got us all together and morale went through the roof because he looked after his blokes. The OC, Ledge, absolutely Ledge. He, looked, he said, obviously, he did have a chat with Steve prior to me coming. Um so they got me in and said, look, I know what's gone on. You've been shit on. I understand why you're pissed off. If you don't cause me any dramas and you work for me, I, prom I guarantee you, by the time I leave this company, you will be a full screw. And they were right. And he, yeah. he made it happen. So you, you, you've experienced, that. yeah, you've experienced weak leadership. Poor. Reflected your identity reflected in your actions and that you've gone into a situation where now you've got very strong leadership mm. sent you on the right way and again it's like look let's remapping again always yeah. attack into this direction we've got to the point now you know you've had your tours again 
Oh. Pull that there. But I'm saying my lords. People know. And I do. I, I want to fast forward us into coming to the, the dawn of your army, your military career now. So coming back to, you've got this illness. Yeah, I still did play with it. Well, it, <clears throat> this PAP-10 business, you know, we, they wanted to downsize the armed forces by 20,000. So I did, from around, in and around 100,000, they wanted it down to 80. Um, so if you were long-term sick, um, held in a certain rank for what they considered too long, or you wanted, they offered you a volunteer redundancy just to get these numbers down quick. Um, when we came back to Catrick again, the um, that's when I just picked up full screw and um, I went training wing for a, a short period because it, they go off pins, don't they? There has yeah. to be a, a slot for you to, to go into. So um, I've been to Herrick with it. Under, they, won't, they weren't happy, but they let me go. I said, Does it do, there'll be a guaranteed role that I can do out there. You know, I want to be with my blokes, my battalion. I didn't want to be on rear party. Because we, I were for a, a short period. Um, when they started getting the casualties and the KIAs, I ended up being disused as a just bearer party carrying coffins and for both battalions, one and two lengths, which that, that wasn't what the army were about to me. I wanted to be there doing my bit. Did you, did you, did you ever have to carry anyone that you knew? Yeah, yeah. Um, you don't have to say names or anything, pal. It's just... Yeah, but I don't... Did you have that any... And I just want to get onto this because other people might relate to this now. Did you have any kind of feeling while the lads were out in Afghanistan that you were letting them down by being at home? Yeah, I felt... Um, a few things. Jack. Yeah. Um, I didn't want to be looked at as a coward. Yeah. I did because one a sergeant major at the time no he would it was a CQ going into a sergeant major's job um, and when I got told it they're not letting you go I had to I had to deal with that news myself which I was it upset me a lot and then to be called a coward on top of that that really put the boot in that after everything I'd done in that throughout my time and what I'd seen and done to be called that it it didn't yeah it cut me quite close to that it, it went pretty deep yeah so by hook or by crook um, they let me go so it changes your psyche doesn't it it changes your psyche yeah. for me as a mate I'd do anything to not have you go mm. Do you get what I mean? But that's yeah. not the psyche that you're living in. Yeah. You've got this grief. You've got this feeling of, uh, I'm letting the side down. Yeah. And then somebody vocals everything that you've internally been feeling. 
Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So you put. So then, you, what do you do? Well, I put myself in harm's fucking way to prove. Yeah. Like you've got to prove. Yeah. And looking back now, I didn't need to prove fuck all to anybody. No. But I felt I did for the wrong reasons. Um, no one can take anything away that I've I'd already done, but I just I had to go. I had to go. Yeah. Something to done, but I did, and I'm glad I did. Um, it was a from a battalion point of view, it was a very kinetic tour. Um, well, you were busy. You were very, very, very busy boys. Lost seven lads. I forget how many wounded. Um, obviously, Rick Clem. Yeah. Life-changing injuries. And these are people that I knew well. Jordan Bancroft, very good friend of mine. I put, I put him on the plane. I repatriated him to come back, carried his coffin. These are big hits to take. When it's personal, Yeah. it's a lot different to see it on the news. No, I know a soldier's been killed and about a 10 second clip and that's it but when you you know you've got your mate dead in a box carrying on your shoulder and you reflect on the memories and the times you've had with them people it, there's a lot of guilt comes in isn't there yeah I can feel it now it it does cut me up still yeah but and it's such good lads yeah I, I, to put it you know in, in regards so other people can try and relate of your psychology that you're going through of this feeling of guilt and I'm letting the side down. You've got two young lads there. Yeah. And rightly, wrongly, whatever, they go to the back of the mind. They have to. You have, but these pressures are being put on you. And again, this is all part of, you know, people ask, Oh, he's, he's got the PTSD, he's got this, he's got that, he's not whatever. It's not, it's how your mind works of where I should be. Mm-hmm. You know, as, as, as a good friend and someone who loves you and everything like that, at the time I'd be saying, no, you, you, your kids need you. Your kids need you. Well, it, that's, that's where I should be over there. At that particular time, obviously I love my kids more than anything. Yeah, yeah. More than any possession. You'll know as being a dad yourself, that, that feeling of being a parent is it's overwhelming the sense of pride and joy that you get from your children but back here she was up to her tricks and not letting me see him and so I, or I'd go it's a two hour journey to go and see him over in Selby I'd be near enough 10 minutes away get a text oh we're not in um they don't want to see you. Things like that. I've taken her to court, one, And she said, oh, I'll, I'll adhere to the, the court order. And I'd see them sporadically. And then it'd stop again. So I'd have to take her back to court. And it just got so tiresome. And the money that I was spending was ridiculous. Ridiculous. Thousands. I wasted about 13 grand. Wow. And I had nothing to show for it. I still weren't seeing him. Um, you'd, you'd have to ask Jamie or Toby what, what she said to him. Which is, 
it's all turned out. Everything she's done since has proved me right. Yeah. I am a good dad. I'm a good person. Um, and I, I'm a man of morals and principles. And I'm very loyal. Uh, look, I'm open as well for you saying that and opening up about that. Regardless of army people and, you know, all the rest of it, dads that have been through exactly the same feelings, yeah. exact same feelings. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If, if we can get them opening up and talking as well and sharing that experience. The divorce rate through any services, I think, not just armed forces, the divorce rate sky high because your primary focus is your job. Yeah. Your family has to take a back seat and that it doesn't sit well with spouses. And no. I get that. Of course I do. Yeah, we can imagine the call. It's like your firefighters, your paramedics, your police. Yeah. Bloody hell, AA drivers. Everything at a whim. Right, you needed. And you're missing... I forget how many birthdays I missed to my children. So many events like Christmases and birthdays and I managed to see them both walk, starting to walk, what, first teeth coming out and just little things, they all add up um, yeah. and it does, it hurts you as a, as a father or a mother, you know, the, your kids are the be all and end all emotionally, but with your career, it conflicts with your family values and it, it's not healthy. No, so we'll get to now, brings me to, fucking hell mate, you've been through a lot. Since the age of 18, it's not stopped. No. And there hasn't been anyone really. Yeah, there hasn't been any. (laughs) Don't get me on that one. (laughs) (laughs) There hasn't been anyone throughout this time giving you any like, and I want to do this, that hand signal, any kind of direction. No. This is how you deal with this. This is how you deal with that. So you found yourself now. You, you're living with a new way of life. Like you said, you have medication every day. You take um, a way out of the military. This yeah. is my out now. This is what I'm going to be getting. I'm going to find out. I'm going to revert back to uh, 1997. <laughs> yeah. And you're out. No, I went to depot. Oh, sorry, you were in depot. I finished my time because of that PAP 10 stuff. Yeah. Um, RCMO, well, read your career, dude. He said, he was aware of my illness and he said, do you want to stay in? So I'm like, fucking right, I do, yeah. I want, I want my full pension. You know, I yeah. signed up. Well, only for three years initially, but I ended up doing a lot longer. Um so I said, right, go and take over Chris Gammon at Purbright. Fucking Gammon, what a ledge. He's a fucking ledge, that guy. Um, yeah, so I went to Purbright, loved it. Won, I got two awards while I was down there. Um, and then ultimately the, the part 10 caught up with me. Yeah. And I fell afoul of the... The government's, um, well, Theresa May, oh, it was David Cameron at the time, weren't it? The fucking Cameron, yeah, yeah. Another weak leader. Um, yeah, I fell foul of the system. 
So I got six months notice. Whereas when you when you terminate your contract, normally you get twelve months. Yeah. To sort your your monkeys and parrots out, and then you're off, aren't you? But I yeah. got six. So I've gone from wanting to be well progressed up the ladder still to yeah. get me third. Um, to being a Mister. Mr. Fort, well, uh, so I had to get my resettlement sorted. And again, still going back to my teenage or childhood years, I've never known anything career-wise what I wanted to do. I've always just bimbled along and yeah, found, found, me, found me way. I've been, it's worked to, to a lot of good fortune, really, financially. But yeah. Next minute, 2013, December it were. Yeah, you're out. But luckily I'd bought this um, on the advice of Vinnie McIver because he knew about the Pac-10 business and he said, have you got an house or mortgage? I'm like, no. Because any money I did, I would spent on court yeah, court fees and solicitors up to then. So with the money, when I went, and another reason why I went to Afghan were to save up every fucking penny I could get hold of for a deposit um, to get this. So it's got a lot of sentimental value and history behind it as this place. So luckily, when I left, I were all right. I had somewhere to stay. I already knew how to pay bills and that through being married and being a dad. Um, but the, it was the work aspect I struggle with and I was employable but yeah you first become aware that whatever you've accomplished wearing your uniform means zip out here they don't people don't give a shit it's a tough pill to swallow isn't it yeah yeah it's, you've, it's an indescribable yeah. feeling your status everything you've worked and done all the beastings you've had, all the courses you've done, all the effort you've put in means nothing. No. And you've been taught to like a, a fucking arsehole by a dickhead. <laughs> it was nothing about anything. No. All them life skills you've got, it's been told, you're fuck awesome. And you're like, I'm sorry, but uh, I really disagree with that. Yeah, I've got I've got badges and shinies. <laughs> yeah. <I've> got scars. <laughs> yeah, I've got <laughs> two t-shirts. So we're uh, we're out at your civvy, you missed a fort. Mm. Um, how, how many different jobs did you bumble around? Oh well, because you're still a civvy, like, but quite a few. Yeah, well, I did. Um, HG, I got my cat C for. Uh, resettlement so I, my first job when I come out with driving wagons um, tramping you know sleeping in cab but it's yeah. me being on exercise it's not healthy like either because you're on your own and in your own head for a lot of time yeah I didn't like it it was a very high pressure um, yeah I, just, I found it very difficult the adjustment and the transition, it's took me 
up till back end of last year, really, to figure it out and re re remap my role in society and my identity, really, because you don't get shown. No, what's what's helped you? You know what? What could you like put? You, if you have to put your thumb on it, what's helped you with this remapping? In for having a focus, yeah, um, and carrying carrying things over that benefit you. So the your work ethos, yeah, um, your fitness. Obviously, it's going to dip a bit because you're not doing it. It's not compulsory. You've got to fit it in around lifestyle. But yeah, I'd say fitness. Um, having a good support network, so getting rid of the fucking goats who don't look after you or they haven't got your best interests. Yeah. Stick to people that look that want the best for you. Um, I think and getting keeping in touch with people that like you. I work when I come off the wagons. I got a job for them for them. Yeah, um, and that's how I got back with you and Bez. That helped a lot, and it, that I think looking back now, that was a realization somewhere in and around of you saying you telling me, or the the belief really that um, if you if you research or look up. For anyone that's watching this, it's called Johari Window. Yeah. So it's a window that's it's got four quadrants. So your open self, um, and one of the quadrants is your blind area, which is things that people like you or others think or know about you that you aren't aware of. Yeah. So by you having that belief in me, I had a realization that you know I'm. It re reaffirmed a lot of things that, about myself that about like confidence wise, um, little things like that, and just uh, the ability that do you know what I, I am good at this. Yeah. So I, I reconnected with that because we work with children in schools. Yeah. I reconnected with um, when I was at the depot training recruits and moulding them. Um, and watching that growth and them them light bulb moments that, that you can see just by passing on your knowledge and your skills, it's very rewarding. It's finding out that you have something to offer. Yeah. You know, the, how I have to dig deep and look into it and how to a transition. And I always said to you, I said, mate, you, you, there's so much to offer here. Mm. It's like, like you hit the nail on the head, watching people's growth. Yeah, helping. Helping, yeah. I I get a kick and a real big buzz off making people happy. And it's took me 40 years to, to work out that I've heard it over the years, but people have always said, you're easy to talk to. Um, and sometimes people have told me things I didn't want to know just because yeah. of that fact. And I'm like, whoa, yeah. why are you telling me this? I don't want to know that shit. But it's because I've I've got a gift or whatever it is that people can talk to me. Um, 
and I've learned to utilise that to help others. Whether it started with kids and recruits, and now it's I want everyone to have it. Yep. You know, it is exciting. And again, it's it's finding something new that you already know, and if that kind of makes sense. Yeah. Definitely. So I already I already know this and how to do this. So how do I transition it into something new? Mm. That's where a lot of lads I feel fall foul. Yeah, that is the mapping that we've been banging on about all throughout this conversation. How do you accept your identity and then transition it? And accepting who you are and a big bit of liking yourself. Do you like yeah. yourself? People are their own worst critics, I find. Yeah. No one I know is happy with the way they look or they could be better at this. So I'm, I can't, it's always I can't, I'm rubbish at that. And it, it used to grate on me, especially with at schools. I can't do that. This defeatist attitude. But yeah, you can. And yeah, we will, we're going to get you to where or at least put you on a path to where you should be and that you, de- you deserve to be. Everyone deserves to be happy, don't they? Oh, too right. And it's that path of trying. Keep, have another go. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, keep trying, keep trying, keep trying. Mm. Uh, yeah, and it's it's what you said earlier about, oh, have you failed once, you shit? Yeah. No, I just have another go. But you're all right. So... I want to get to what, what you're up to now, and I'm going to come forward to go back again a little bit. Yeah. So, like, what what is Danny doing right now, all this transitioning, what are you putting your energy into? Um. Well, this... We've had an idea roundabouts, haven't we, for a, a while now. Well, um, I, I, I want to go, sorry, mate, before we go on to that one, like, what you're doing personally. Um, I'm just at the, the back end of my first year at university. Yeah. Um, which is something that still sounds weird to say. <laughs> <laughs> I left school with nothing. But, you know, I, when I went to get, obviously because my brother passed away last year, which was a, yeah. another big kick in the bollocks. Um, but he just got to the back end. He just passed his degree. So I went to get his his degree on his behalf at Preston. Wow. And it, it really opened my eyes. And one of the people there, they said, the education is a right. It's not a privilege, it's your right. Yeah. And I thought, fuck yeah. I like that. Yeah. And I thought, my brother inspired me. Because I've always, I've caught, well, he always used to wind me up about copying him and, as big brothers do, stop copying me and all that. Yeah. Give me a few digs. And I thought, yeah, I was looking around thinking, I, w- I won't mind a bit of this. Um, and it intertwined with, I was working at a primary school at the time as a teaching assistant. And part of that, part of, whilst I were there, I had to study to get on the next rung up the ladder because yep. the money is pathetic um, for a teaching assistant so I had to up my academic quals so I had to redo my, my maths and my English re-map, re-map yourself 
and just get back into learning. Yeah. And I quite enjoyed it. So I passed that, um, which gave me the, the leg up to get into uni. Um, How did that make you feel? Honest. Overwhelmed, because I thought, fuck me, what am I doing here? Like, very intelligent people coming here. Yeah. And, oh, it's this confidence issue with me. Did, um, you, did, you, did you feel you belonged? Did you have that? Initially, when I first, the first impression I got with, was, yeah, they made you, they made you feel welcomed and that they wanted you there. They want you there. Yeah. And not a lot of people. Yeah, not a lot of people think that, do they? No, this it is very daunting. That first, day one week one again, when you, it's just, you know, you're taking it all in. There's a lot of sensory information flying at you, and it's hard to take it all in. You. I'm, I'm way out of my depth in terms of um, like we we're getting kit on your back and going from A to B very fast and carrying people and all that and physical stuff I was very accustomed to and challenges like that but academic ones and personal ones yeah it's, it's, it's bizarre in it to say as well it? Yeah, what what I feel you're describing is this is not your comfort zone. Yeah, I'll go out, I'll let people shout, shoot at me, I'll, I'll do this, I'll do that, I'll get blown up. That. That's, yeah, that's all right, that cop. That's normal. That's normal to me. Start getting in here and exercising this. I'm not in my comfort zone. And it's that challenge. Massive. That's what you need in your life, isn't it? Yeah. Give me a... Give me a fucking challenge, I dare you. And that's that bit of focus now. Yeah, it is very, very challenging. It's fucking hard. So when you do, because I know that you will, when you get your degree, what will what you be qualified as? Was it? Um, academically, you were. Uh, well, it's it's like a a three way course. So I'm doing psychology. Yeah. Um, with psychotherapy and counselling. So I, it's given me a, a bachelor. It's a bachelor of science with honours. Cool. So you, you get letters after your name and shit. <laughs> <laughs> it's um, before. Boom. <laughs> so, but that doesn't give you the, the qualification to say, right, my title is a counsellor. You've got no. to do additional bits and bobs, but it's it's accredited, so you you know exactly what you're on about. You just need a couple of extra bits to give you that. Yeah, and role. this is what, yeah, this is what I tweet on. You're using your experience, mm-hmm. and whether it be professional or personal, to focus and and have a drive. Yeah. This this is how it's going to write. All that was like an apprenticeship on building your identity. Yeah. Really? You are. I'm this listener. I'm this developer. I'm a learner. You know, I'm an helper. Yeah. That's I, who I, I am. Naturally. I help with that. I yeah. Help. I'm an helper, dude. 
but That's it's all I want to do. Yes, and it's accepting and reverting to an identity. Mm. I finally know. found my my path in life, my role. Yeah. I've done. I've I've bluffed a few. I've been a few, but they weren't true for me. It wasn't my the right thing for me. And that's happiness, isn't it? Happiness. Yeah. Happiness. That yeah. is happiness. Understanding it. They say if you can find that, a job that you like doing, then you've cracked it, haven't you? And this, yeah. to me, is my happy my happy place. And I said I'd come forward to go back. So I brought you to an happy place. <laughs> happiness. Shaka <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What what do you think out of all that? Your three biggest neggies, or just your biggest neggies, don't have to be free, pal, that you've turned into posies. Number one, uh, losing my brother. Yeah. That was the worst by far. Because I've like I said, I've lost mates, close friends. Well, my brother was the biggest kick I've ever had, and it, it hit me hard. Did that? Um, second one, not being able to see me, my own flesh and blood, mm. my, my children, um, my kids. Uh, well, there's two exes that have done me a lot of damage by preventing me from being a dad. So I think there's two experiences there that come combine into one because they're yeah. the same thing. Yeah, yeah. Cruelty. Um, third one, third bad experience. I'd say having shit bosses. Yeah. They've played a key role in showing me how not to do business. We've worked for some. Yeah. Um, I've had them in the army, and they've given me the wisdom and the experience to know how to treat people and how to genuinely look after them. Cause it, yeah. Yeah. I think you've I think you've said there, buddy. Three catalytic things that whether you're male, female whatever you represent as them three key factors is going to be a fuckload of people it'll be like do you know what yeah if not all three at least one mm. i've had that in my life you not know being able to see your kids or and death um of close close family members or friends they're bigots to take i don't care how big and what you've done, they're going to hurt you a lot because they're emotionally, you've got emotional ties. And emotion is a big part of you as, a, as an individual. We make a lot of decisions based on emotions, don't we? Yeah. You know, fuckload of them. But it's, mm. You've outlined quite a few. <laughs> uh, for those, so those three things, they're all individual what one combined thing helps you turn them into positives let's turn these into positives let's turn this fucking bus around and drive it down a different street giving me the they've given me the knowledge 
and the experience to to do things the right way properly. Um, um, support people because I know how how much how bad it feels when you're on the fucking rock bottom and you think you can't take any more then something else will happen it's given me that understanding of what that feels like so anyone that I come across now who feels in that place or has been there I can relate and understand is a good word yeah, and empathise with how they've done it yeah. you need to be able to understand people for them to be able to accept that congruence of what you're offering them that I'm Listen, mate, I, I understand what you're going through. And yeah. That means a lot to people, being able to understand them. I'm not there to analyse and fix all the problems with a magic wand. I'm there to listen and understand. And by them talking, it should help them to, not rec- if they want to recover and they're ready, to start that journey or they might have already been through it I think just talking in general talking yeah listen you, you bit the that's what I was trying to draw out here pal talk the positive is saying it out loud yeah you know then three things getting it out there not keeping it within verbalising it and I think the other day when we I, I don't know I felt this way when I saw Gaz Davis's video some of what he were talking about he looked lighter on the next one yeah. Now, did you get what I mean? Yeah. It's therapy talking. Yeah. A weight had come off. So he, even though he were carrying more fucking kit, <laughs> he looked lighter on his feet. Just his eyes in his eyes. You could see behind his eyes, if you like. Yeah. It had released. Which brings me on to this. Two guys. What the fuck is this? Tell, you know, lots of people asking a lot of questions. It's a journey. Um, it's, it's a call to arms, I think. It's a place for people to come or to view and to listen, to be inspired by um, and to share experiences and um, life, life stories, really. Yeah. Um, that people can relate to because I think I've said it a few times Wes's funeral was a, the final straw for me There's, whatever's in place right now is not working um, and if we can play it's the board for everybody in every sector there's people doing a lot of good and doing a lot of help and there's the opposite there's a lot of charlatans making, getting rich off people's misery. Yeah. That, I want to pull that rug right from under their feet. Because um, mine and your focus with this whole thing up to now is just to help people. And yeah. I can't stress that enough. That is, that is all this is about. And give them a voice. Um. It's not about financial benefits and flash cars, big houses, because we've seen that. We've worked for people like that, and yeah. it winds me up. It really does. 
we're just relatable guys that know what they're talking about that are just talking with their mates. Yeah. And the key word is talking. Yeah. And it's, um, again, for everybody, men, women, ex-serving fucking mechanics, mm-hmm. anybody, police, Please. ambulance, anything. If you've worked in an office, if you're a sport person that has been fucking injured and had your career just pulled from underneath you. You've been in a, a toxic relationship even. Yeah. You know, parents that have lost fucking kids. I couldn't think of anything worse. Exactly. So, um, yeah. Injured. Had the, had the life changed for the worst. Well, not the worst. I'd have to say that's a bad word, but it's made them, it's changed their lives completely. Yeah. And, and hopefully what we can do as well is not just tell the story, but people who come on can say, well, th- this is my group I'm associated with. This is my way of doing with it. Maybe coming, it's it's for you, whether it be a fucking painting club, football, fishing, exactly. anything, flower arranging, anything. Because there'll be people, there's always people, what I feel, they're sat at home not knowing how to connect. Mm. There'll be something that they see, I think, fucking hell, yeah, that's me, that. That's yeah. me. Because um, by getting a whole different range of people on, and talking, it'll show that there's what works for me won't work for some the next guy, and vice versa. We're all different, but yeah. by having a big range, at some point there's going to be that connection, and it's, that's how it's going to grow, in my mind. Yeah, well, that's lovely, exactly. I think we we're twinned in that way. Um, there'll be something for everybody. Oh yeah. Have some laughs. Uh, hopefully some people can drag us into some good locations. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, especially when this remote thing calms down. Yeah. Uh, and we can start. We now. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it in. Um, big one. Hopefully people are on YouTube. Yeah. yeah definitely. 85. Come on. 85. Come on. Get it up there. Spread the word. Love. We definitely need more. Um, Doing what it's all about. Any other business? Anything else you want to plug? Any shout outs you want to give? Oh, bloody hell. Um, Shout outs. People have helped so far. The messages are encouragement. I keep getting them daily from people that not normally in my circles there's a lot of um, encouragement and belief in this so I'm very very appreciative of that because it it is daunting because I think I know that this is going to go big um, and we're finding our way we've never done this before and we're going to be put on a platform where there's a lot of people looking at us and that carries a lot of responsibility so any, any encouragement and belief and any any help um, is much appreciated and Freya for her, all her efforts and her work brilliant any sponsors um, anyone that's just behind us really 
I know a lot of our our battalion friends and veteran friends um, are fully supportive and again their message in saying happy with you keep it going shout outs <clears throat> uni my tutors at uni hey, give, the, give them watch which uni is it pal give them a shout out University of Central Lancashire Boom. Um, but Preston get a lot of the the credit but we're the we're the Burnley crew <laughs> <laughs> yeah my, my tutors are unbelievable um, Naomi in particular she's taught me a lot of personal development that's yeah it's skyrocketed this past year with my development thanks to her um, single mum two kids a lot of work very good at a job take me out of to her um, yeah all the single ladies all the single ladies <laughs> love that tune don't they <laughs> put your hands up <laughs> I've still got Shaka Khan going on I can't have too many in my head <laughs> who can Shaka Khan um, right we, we've been going just a minute over two hours now oh we yeah 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 fuck you know hours bro um, how's this made you feel because at the beginning it was very quick you were trying to get everything out do you feel relaxed are you happy that you've done this that you've yeah. been Number Juan story, Danny's story. It's <clears throat> yeah, there were a lot of pressure, I think, because it's the first one. Um, but I'm reflecting, reflecting back now, it's it's good. It covered, yeah. covered a lot, a lot of content there. Yeah. And what, uh, what we've tried to do is get people, you know, to know you. This is what yeah. this, this has been about, you know, to know you. Uh, show shortly next few weeks or so people will get to know me yeah uh, and do you think it's helped you now and would you encourage people that were going to be approaching to be guests to come on and do the same yeah oh massively because like I said it's not a trumpet blowing exercise it's it's an opportunity for to help the wider community and do a lot of people benefit really yeah um it's it doesn't but be talking about the the nitty-gritty stuff is it can be quite difficult um don't be don't be afraid to let your face leak you know we're, we're humans well like, when i was talking about jordan yeah i still it still cuts me up now um, so yeah, it is tough to talk about things that have affected you, but when you do, it's a big relief, a big relief. I'm sure there's going to be plenty of tears along the way. Like is, uh, yeah, that, that's coming. Mm. It'll be good. I think it'd be healthy for for people to see it, if, if you yeah. like. But um, for those that are wanting to be guests, and we've talked about this, there is a format. So I know people are asking that. Shit butter. Yeah. So t- take them through it. So, um, in my crazy mind, me and you are going to be sat down. Um, the guests are going to walk on. We'll stand up, shake, hug. I prefer hugging. Or dancing. Um, if it's allowed. Yeah. 
Um, get some of their tunes on, uh, so we can have a bit of a mandim at the beginning. Then we'll we'll sit down. Right, how are you? What are you up to? Settle in. Introductions. Yeah. Um, share some funny stories, and then the main meat of it, which is the problems that they faced, um, what happened, how did they manage it, how did they come through it, um, and on the other side of that journey, where are they now, and talk about um, what what focus they had or what they did. Yeah, what's, what's unique to them? To get them where they are now, um, future potential goals, and then anything we're going to finish by on a high. So we're ending in a happy place so they can check out and highlight or promote anything that's helped them. So any any yeah. agencies, uh, charities, people, um anything that's a benefit to them or others that they want to get across. So it could yeah. be Older Hair Children's Hospital, for example, or, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, most definitely. Things like that, McDonald's in that place in Manchester, Children's Hospital. Hair well, Law, the good work. Even like yourself, the university for making you feel welcome. Yeah. Any yeah, project that they're running. So, yeah, any plug, anything like that. Yeah. Do- do it, do it. <laughs> yeah, it's nothing. It is daunting. But I think in person, it'll be a lot easier. But well, we're getting used to this format as well, aren't we? Yeah. The Gary Neville, Jamie Carrey. I'm <laughs> spitting on any kids. <laughs> Good messages. So there we are. Episode numero uno. Task complete. Task complete. Fist pump. Where are we? Where <laughs> I am bursting for a week. I am. Yeah. Yeah, I saw your neck of brew as well before we started. Yeah. <laughs> I'm latter. I'm latter. So that's us. We'll get away. We'll make this look good for peeps. And doing. Mandims. Because of Shackers, because Shaka can. <laughs> Hello. Are you waving bye. bye? Bye, everybody. Love you. Love you.